Welcome to the Plenteous Redemption Podcast, where the cross and the culture are on a collision course for discussion. For the preaching of the cross is to them that perish foolishness. But unto us which are saved it is the power of God. For it is written, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise and will bring to nothing the understanding of the prudent. Where is the wise? Where is the scribe? Where is the disputer of this world? Hath not God made foolish the wisdom of this world? For after that in the wisdom of God, the world by wisdom knew not God. It pleased God by the foolishness of preaching to save them that believe. For the Jews require signs, the Greeks seek after wisdom, but we preach Christ crucified. Under the Jews a stumbling block, under the Greeks foolishness, but under them which are called both Jews and Greeks, Christ, the power of God and the wisdom of God. Now, here's your host, Thomas Irvin. Welcome back to the Plenteous Redemption Podcast. We are here again with a another recording for you. Uh, this time we're going to be back in the book of Jonah. And um, we're taking our time and going basically verse by verse through the book of Jonah. Uh, but But our focus here is on Bible meditation. So it's not necessarily teaching. We're not running cross-references. We're trying our best <laughs> not to bring into the verse, what we already know from it. We want to kind of state the facts plainly and then provide a little bit of personal analysis based on simply what we see in front of us. So this this recording is going to cover Jonah chapter 1, verses 3 through 4. And uh, we'll take a look at this and see what the Lord shows us. Now, we've covered verse 3 already uh, in, a, in the previous broadcast, so we're not going to really spend much time here on verse 3. Uh, I just... I, I included it to make a, a a a brief note. It's kind of an interesting layout, the way that the book of Jonah uh, puts these things. So, so we'll take a look at that. All right, Jonah 1, verses 3 through 4. But Jonah rose up to flee unto Tarshish from the presence of the Lord and went down to Joppa, and he found a ship going to Tarshish. So he paid the fare thereof and went down into it, to go with them unto Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. But the Lord sent out a great wind into the sea, and there was a mighty tempest in the sea, so that the ship was like to be broken. All right, so that's not a good, <laughs> that's not good. <laughs> the reason I added both verses this time is, but Jonah rose up to flee, verses but the Lord sent out a great wind into the sea. I, I heard a preacher once say, "You don't want to. You don't want to go butt for butt <laughs> against God. Um, it's not going to work out well." And so, this is a terrible situation. It, it's an example of deliberate disobedience, chosen disobedience. It wasn't an accident. It, it wasn't. Uh, Jonah didn't accidentally do this. This is this was deliberate, chosen, decided disobedience against God's instruction. And that that's all it is. Now, Jonah did rise up. 
just as God said, if you remember, if you recall two or three verses back, God told Jonah to arise, go into Nineveh. Jonah did rise up just as he was instructed, but <laughs> his, diso- his, his obedience was short-lived. It didn't take long, and Jonah was deliberately looking to go exactly where God said not to go. John, I want you to go to Tarsha, or I want you to go to Nineveh and preach, preach to those people. Tell them, tell them what I have to tell you. No, I think I'll go to Joppa and get on a ship. And so he decided to flee under Tarshish by way of Joppa. He found in Joppa exactly what he was looking for. He was even willing to sacrifice financially to certify the direction he wanted his life to go. He was willing to pay the price financially. And so many people complain that, you know, about God's desire for, for Christians, for believers to give financially. It's, it's a contradiction because they don't mind giving to, to the other elements of this world that expect them to give. They only get upset when it's God that, it, that expects them to give and, and requires them to give. So, so he found in Joppa what he was looking for. He found exactly what he wanted. The idea of sacrifice is essential to all human endeavors, at least with reference to endeavors that are worthwhile. Anything worth accomplishing, having, doing, it's going to come with sacrifice, whether it's your time, whether it's your money, and, and it, it will almost always require a sacrifice of money. What, what can you think of that you can do anywhere at any time and it costs you absolutely nothing financially? There will be some cost. It might be less, might be more. It could be minor, it could be major. It just there will be a there will be costs. Life comes with costs. Our willingness to pay the costs involved will determine how and in what direction we move forward. All right, so whatever you're investing in. Whether if you're sitting at home playing video games, uh, because that's what grown men do these days, I suppose, um, which is kind of a shame and is indicative of <laughs> how much of a loser you are. Uh, I mean, I, I I'm not preaching against video games. I am I am commenting on the uselessness of an of a grown individual sitting at home playing video games. Um, there's just no no reason for that. So, um, but but if that's what you're investing in, that's the direction your life is going. That console costs money. That game costs money. The television to to put to put it all on costs money. The internet connection, everything that comes along with it, it all costs money, and you're investing heavily. And I, I know if I've heard of men, I, 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 honestly, I don't. I don't know that I know men who do this anymore. I, I, when I before I was saved, I, I think that you know men did this, but I, I can't name anyone now that does this. Though I know they exist, I, I hear them talk about it. I've I've um, men have when I used to work at um, CenturyLink, my actually my boss, who is a who is a very talented man um, in, in the realm of of telecommunications technology. Uh, he asked me a question one day about gaming and I just looked at him. He said, Oh, I forgot (laughs) you're a Christian. You don't game. Well, that's a good thought, but too many Christians are doing the same thing. They game. I mean, I I couldn't even say that about myself with a straight face. I'm a gamer. (laughs) Really? What are you, 
what are you, 12? Grow up. Uh, anyways, th- that's not the point. The point is to do that requires great investment financially, your time, your energy, not, you know, understand it doesn't require a lot of energy, but it does require some energy, <laughs> you know, for you to stay up late into the night, disregarding your family and their needs, not concerned about the fact you got to get up the next day and go work for a living, which is what you should be doing. Um, it's, you know, it requires some time and energy. It definitely requires money, a lot of money. Video games are not cheap. Game consoles, computers, whatever, whatever your platform of choice are not cheap. Everything, everything you need that comes with that controllers. Um, I mean, what, whatever. I don't even know. I don't even know what gaming consoles do these days. And, and I'm kind of happy about that. <laughs> I don't care. Um, but I know they're expensive and they cost money. And many people are willing to pay that price. They're willing to, to, give that level of sacrifice, but they are not willing to, to give the sacrifice financially, energy, time, etc., to serve God. But whichever direction you go, you're going to pay. There's going to be sacrifice that, that is demanded, that is required uh, to be a part of whatever community and to go whatever direction you want your life to go in. It's, it requires sacrifice. There's, there's no other way. Okay, so so it's hypocritical to say I will not sacrifice to God, but I will sacrifice to PlayStation and Xbox. Okay, so so it, it, you're willing to make sacrifices. The question is, to whom? What's important to you? Some some leave the Christian life because they are not willing to live life as a living sacrifice. So they plunge themselves into the world as though that has no cost. And it absolutely does. Uh, at least the cost of the Christian life, you're made aware of them relatively quickly. God's very open and honest about it in his word. There are no, there are no hidden fees. There are no, um, you know exactly what God wants. He tells you up front. All right? The world doesn't do that. They're going to mislead you intentionally to get their hands on you, to get you moving in the direction that they want you in, and then you're stuck. Now, you can get out if you're willing to pay the cost. (laughs) So too often we can't see the benefits of the future through the sacrifices required of us right now. Uh, That's important for you to sit and think about. We can deceive ourselves into thinking that a different sacrifice or a lesser sacrifice would be fine until the reward is revealed to be on par with the level of selfless sacrifice we were willing to give. I had a friend, um, a young man, an excellent young man. He was um, is, is, a, is a Christian, faithful young man, just a... a, a before I left the Bible Baptist Church and, and left in terms of becoming a missionary and going on the mission field, uh, it's still my home church. It's my sending church. I thank God for that. Um, but there, there, there were a group of young men who came through the Bible school there, the Deland School of the Bible, and um, they, they just were excellent young men. They had no idea how far ahead in life they are because they grew up undefiled by this world. They have character. They don't sit around playing video games. 
I mean, these are, these are good, godly, hardworking, devoted young men. And uh, we had about four or five young men of that character. One of them um, was pursuing a young lady, a, a good, godly young lady, beautiful young lady, uh, great singer, great musician. And, um, but she had a father who was very, very strict and maybe even somewhat overbearing. The young man was having to kind of jump through some hoops. The father was very serious. He 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 made very clear what he expected, and and he expected it to happen. And so this young man was trying his best to um, to do what was expected of him according to the, her father's wishes. And he began to become frustrated. And and uh, one day he talked to me about it, and I was listening, and and I agreed with him. I mean, the requirements were tough. They were harsh. They were difficult. But what I said to him was, you don't have to go through this. You could always go find a lesser woman. (laughs) And that pretty much ended the conversation. (laughs) He never came back and talked to me about it again. And uh, now they're married today. He did tough it out and, and ended up with a wonderful woman. They have a beautiful family. It's going great. Um, but what he has today is on par with the sacrifice he was willing to give back then. And if, if you start looking and focusing on the sacrifice and not at, at what this sacrifice can result in down the road, great things come, great things require great sacrifice. But that sacrifice is now. All right. So you can't say, I want that in the future, but I'm not willing to do now what is required to have that. Um, it doesn't work like that. And so praise the Lord. He was willing to do that. And, and, and so that's the way you have to don't deceive yourself into thinking if I give less, if I do less, if I take, if I take the easier road, maybe it'll end. Maybe I can still end up where I want to be. It's not going to happen. You take the easier road. You're going to end up where that easy road leads and, and it's not good. All right. So, so don't, don't fool yourself. Ask, you got to ask yourself seriously, what do I want in this life? And in the end, in the end of it all, how do I want things to turn out? Well, then you have to start acting on that and moving in that direction and sacrificing in accord with that right now so that in the end, things can turn out that way. Lord willing. Um, that's just how it works. You'll pay the cost. The question is, where do you want to end up? What we were just saying. If you desire to end up standing before the Lord, hearing him call you the servant of the Lord, that's what that's my desire. Um, man, I, that, that, he, said, he said, Moses, the servant of the Lord. And then Joshua followed Moses. And at the end of Joshua's life, he said, Joshua, the servant of the Lord. I hope when I stand before the Lord, it's Thomas, the servant of the Lord. Not Thomas, the servant of himself. Uh, that, that, that's important to me. So now is the time to pay the cost to arrive there. Now is the time to give physically, financially, of your time, of your energy. You, you, you don't get there just coasting through life doing nothing. It has to be an intentional move forward with an understanding that this is what pleases God and this this is going to turn out well and pleasing to the Lord, um, not only in this life, but in eternity. And so that, that mindset is essential.
Now, if you desire pleasing your flesh, if you want to follow the course of this world in the hopes that they will like you or accept you, that's also going to come with costs. And both have consequences here and now and in eternity. If you're willing to pay that cost and in the hopes that this world will like you and and uh, will think well of you, go for it. It's, it's there for you. It's not going to work out well. It never has and it never will. And so I don't recommend it. The sacrifice that will harm you the most will be, will be the searing of your conscience. Don't sacrifice your conscience in order to make friends with, with the people of this world who hate you and hate your God. Don't do it. In order to continue an endeavor against the God to whom you belong, you will be tortured by your conscience along the way. Your mind is going to deal with you. Um, you're not going to get away from that. Your, your mind is um, the, the conscience that God put in you. It, it's tough. It's pointed. Um, it's not quite as sharp as a two-edged sword, but man, sometimes it can get, it can get kind of close. Um, now, it's going to torture you first because you're not doing daily what you should be doing, and the effects of that will be crushing. It's going to weigh on you. You think you have, you know, some, so many people are dealing with anxiety, depression, uh, mental and emotional disorders that are a direct result of living contrary to the way you know you should be living. It has serious results. Have you ever read about stress? And, and so if you put yourself in a stressful situation in disobedience to God, you are just going to wear yourself out. The way of the transgressor is hard. <laughs> um, the Bible is so true. Secondarily, as the consequences come in from not doing what you should be doing, your conscience will double down in the shame, depression, and anxiety. Um, you don't have to do that, and there won't be enough medication to fix it. Uh, it won't fix it. You can dope yourself up enough to uh, that you that maybe potentially you don't feel the effects of that shame and and the depression and the brokenheartedness because you chose to live in defiance of God. But that's that's no way to live, and so many people are trying it, and it just doesn't work. So I I don't encourage that. But life in obedience to Christ along with fulfilling the daily duties expected of us as Christians, certainly comes with sacrifice. There's no way around it. Either direction, you're going to sacrifice, you're going to give financially, physically, your energy, your time. None of these are mutually exclusive. You're going to give them all to someone or something. You might as well give them to the Lord Jesus Christ because the end result is radically different. Love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, and temperance. Who doesn't want that? <laughs> well, it comes through Jesus Christ. It comes through obedience to God's word. And you get the exact opposite of that, of all of those things, when you live in disobedience to God's word. It's, it's, it weighs so heavy on you. It's crushing. And, and so the way to escape that is, is to obey the Lord and to do what the Lord says and to do right. Now, after all that, so you, so you live a life of hope, a life of hope, which maketh not ashamed. 
Uh, then you die because death is the end, no matter what path you take. And, and then you are absent from the body and present with the Lord who loved you and who was pleased with your life as a living sacrifice. Man, what a, what a wonderful way to both live and die. <laughs> that's, that's the way to do it. Um, Jonah decided to flee the presence of the Lord as if that were possible. Um, I mean, I suppose you can get yourself so far down that road, the Lord turns his back on you, but um, you don't just choose to flee the presence of the Lord as his creation, living in his creation. It's, that may or may not be an option to you. Um, it's definitely not an option you should try and choose. The Lord greatly desired Jonah's um, enlistment as a prophet to go preach to Nineveh, obviously. The Lord wouldn't give up on this. So unprecedented steps were taken to get him back on track. And he did get back on track briefly, as we will see. <laughs> but the Lord sent out a great wind into the sea. It is notable the Lord sent a great wind. In Jonah chapter 1, we not only read of a specially prepared fish, but also a specially prepared wind. It is as though the Lord created this great wind in the moment and then instructed it, <laughs> go find Jonah. And it did. In response, this wind set out across the sea in search for a ship from Joppa on its way to Tarshish, carrying a rebellious prophet who needed to be chastened. All right, now it's, it's one thing, and we'll, we'll, as we get to the verses, we'll talk about this a little more in depth. It's one thing for... God to chasten Jonah, but Jonah brought other people into this unnecessarily, and that's the, that's, the, that's the worst part. This storm was no coincidence. The Lord sent this wind. We will see in later verses that the mariners row with all they have to try and get away from this storm, but this storm was made for that ship as long as it was carrying Jonah. <laughs> there was no getting away from it. The Lord chastens his own people, and it's improper uh, to assume that we can we can outlast or escape the chastening of the Lord. We can remain hard-hearted, but that also comes with severe consequences. Eventually, Jonah took this rebellious his rebellious heart all the way to death. All right, so you're not going to outlast the Lord, you're not going to get outside the chastening that he has sent to chasten you, um, but it it might be the death of you. So Choose wisely. Again, we can repent and be restored, or we can double down and find ourselves at odds with the God who made us and who potentially saved us. If, you, if you're saved, look, we, we, this is principle to learn from. I can't, I can't say that God's going to send a massive storm after you to, har to harm you or, or to deal with you in the way that he did with Jonah. Um, but you, you should not take this lightly. It is a fearful thing to fall into the hands of an angry God. And, and Jonah found out what that was like. And it's here for our learning and admonition. It is an example. It is an, it is an example for us to learn from. And so you want to learn from it. <laughs> uh, you don't want to be left out at sea with a tempest coming after you. The great wind came to be called a mighty tempest. Now, this indicates to me the level to which the Lord might be willing to go in order to get his people back on track. Don't underestimate that. 
Jonah was deliberately obstinate toward the instructions God gave him. Are you? Are you doing what God wants you to do? Are you living the way God wants you to live? Or are you in direct rebellion to what God has said? You want to be very careful with that. He's a gracious God, but but his grace and chastisement can exist at the same time. In fact, it might be gracious for him to chastise you. <laughs> um, so my, humble yourself under the mighty hand of God. Don't make him do it. Jonah was deliberately obstinate toward the instructions God gave him. But I wonder how far this will go when considering the instruction God has given us. Husbands, love your wives and be not bitter against them. Mm. Wives, <laughs> submit yourselves unto your own husbands. How far, how far down the road of disobedience to those two commands can we go before God finally steps in and says, I, I'm, I'm going to deal with these people? And what will that dealing, that chastisement, uh, what will it look like? I don't want to find out. God helping me, I, I don't want to find out. Go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. How's that working out? I wonder why America is suddenly overrun. Less than Just a few years back, less than 1% of the population was homosexual. Now they're exploding all over the place. Transgenderism's exploding all over the place. Um, everything ungodly is dominant. I wonder why that is. Go preach the gospel. Be faithful to the word of God. How far can we go in disobedience to the basic instruction God gives us before he feels the need to send a mighty tempest our way? God help us. The wording almost indicates the mighty wind and the great tempest were mingled together for Jonah's chastening. The verse says the mighty wind was sent out and there was a great tempest in the sea. Right, so, so it can be taken two ways. It is plausible that the mighty wind became the great tempest. Um, that, that is my mindset. I think that is probably the most likely. It is also plausible that the mighty wind was sent out and mingled with a great tempest, or maybe it, it moved a great tempest towards, toward Jonah. Either way, the mighty wind and the great tempest were the tools the Lord decided to use for Jonah's chastening. God forbid. <laughs> So that the ship was like to be broken. We should never underestimate, again, the length to which God, the, the Lord, might, be, might go to administer corrective action. As Christians, we can, have his, this, we can have this in crowd mentality that causes us to think that because we belong to God, nothing will happen to us. That is not, that is not, a, way, that is not a good way to think. And it could be that God might send a mighty tempest our way in order to provide sufficient pressure for us to repent and get back on track. You can't assume nothing will happen to you because you belong to God. God might be the one causing something to happen to you, uh, not, not for the sake of hurting you or harming you, but because he's got to get things back on track. He's got to get you moving. We, risk, um, we receive tremendous blessing when we live in the will of God, though it will not shield us from facing troubles. You're still going to face troubles in this present evil world. But we risk receiving a great tempest from the Lord himself if we live in defiance of the word of God. It is important to note that we must be careful attributing storms in our lives to the Lord. We don't know, we don't know that the Lord did it. We don't know that he didn't do it. If you know you're living in deliberate disobedience to God, then you shouldn't be surprised when when uh, 
when the Lord sends chastisement of some sort. A child, my daughter, my two-year-old, she knows when she's done wrong. Right? So when she gets chastised or, or we deal with her because of her disobedience, before she even gets to us, she's crying because she already knows. Right? So she's not surprised that she's getting in trouble for doing something wrong. And most likely, neither are we. You know, when that crop pops up, are you really surprised? You sowed in unrighteousness back there, and now, it's, now, now you're reaping in unrighteousness. You're really going to say, where'd that come from? Um, now, you know, sometimes the Lord deals with things years later. So that's where my propensity to think that it, it could be plausible comes into play. Um, it's just not, it's just not as likely. Um, it's, it's more likely that, that we know the chastisement of the Lord is coming. And so we could potentially attribute certain difficulties or storms in our lives, if you will, uh, to the Lord potentially dealing with us. Otherwise, you want to be real careful about blaming God for the workings of this present evil world. Now, Jonah was not confused. Jonah even eventually, again, and I, and I know I'm, I'm doing terrible at not bringing into the passage things that I already know. Um, it, it's, it's very difficult. You know, as Bible believers, we're not trained to do things this way. Though it's a good exercise, the Bible says, you know, you learn the Bible here a little, there a little, you know, precept upon precept, line upon line, but it also instructs you to meditate on the word of God. And that's really what we're trying to exercise here. And it's hard not to bring other things we know into the passage, but um, that is verses three and four. And I'll see you next time. Thank you for listening. God bless. We hope you enjoyed this podcast. You can learn more about our ministry by visiting www.plenteousredemption.com. You can hear more Plenteous Redemption podcast audio at www.plenteousredemption.media. Please comment below if this podcast has been a help to you. Also, inform us of future topics that would interest you. Thank you again for listening to the Plenteous Redemption podcast.